June 25, 2021. So what for Pedro Show.
Lot for Pedro Show. Happy Friday. I'll start off with something I dreamed last night from John Coltrane. And then uh, Vertonen. Hope I pronounced that right. November 30, 1969. And, uh, yeah, Man Alone. But as of uh, yesterday, it's been two weeks since my second Moderna. So, and Brother Matt is, ah, oh, you can see, people, I'm not Man Alone. Because of those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention. I got Mr. Blake Edwards with what board bike? Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, li- uh, what, what's, what's, what's the word? Likewise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, uh, we got to thank the Brutal Sound Effects crew for the connect. And I know you're in on that too, right? I'm thanking uh, the forces that be to make this thing because, uh, I don't know, It's, it's I, I want to check out your uh, journey through music. Please bring the earliest musical recollection you got, please. Uh, earliest musical recollection was probably um, stuff my folks had on records. They didn't listen to a lot of records, but my parents had a lot of classical music and then a lot of like kind of bad 70s stuff like bread. Oh, know? my mom liked bread. Yeah. So that would be like <laughs> the most the most the nascent point. But again, we didn't. Not a lot was, uh, they didn't have the turntable active very often when uh, when I was growing up. But my sister and I both played musical instruments. Oh, well, let as, me ask as, you this. In that yeah. pad you grew up, were you younger than your sister? Yes, one year. And I, oh, I only still one am, year. I still am younger than Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> I would make a, a big-time educated guess that's still true. But what I, I've, I've had so many cats on the show that make adventures for music. That had older brothers and sisters that turned them on to their rock and roll records or they were playing shit or something. That's a trip. But this pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? Yeah, yeah. So my sister played piano and I played guitar. Not together as a duo, but just independently. We both have, both played. Well, well tell me how you got on the guitar. You know, I think I funny you should mention the older sibling influence because I think I got on because you know my sister was playing the piano and I think my mom and dad might have been talking like if I want to do anything and I think I just gravitated towards guitar but I cannot tell you why I was probably ten or eleven I'm guessing so yeah it was just uh just again something to keep me off the streets maybe you know ah that's what D Boone's mom wanted uh, me and him to be in a band that was no career opportunity it was like Econo child care <laughs> keep you in <laughs> the house really after school yeah it. yeah so this guitar was it acoustic or electric yeah it was acoustic it was acoustic um and i was it was really small well the first acoustic guitar i had was too big for me to play um because i just couldn't you know do anything improper with it so i got a smaller one and was playing that for the bulk of my and i think i, I took guitar lessons for maybe four or five years or so well yeah. let me ask you about that experience it was great. I mean, I had like really good guitar teachers who were just, they were um, obviously they, they were the teacher component, but they're interested in like what I was trying to do. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I wasn't like trying to invent anything or do any new time guitar styles, but you know, they were at the, uh, at the music shop. There were also, you know, books of styles of music you could play. And I remember I knew what heavy metal was. I knew what hard rock was. They had a section for acid rock. <laughs> and I didn't, but, but the thing is, so I assumed as like a limiter, like acid must be harder than metal, right? But it was just, you know, 
jam music. Because you didn't so, know acid was actually a euphemism for L, right? You thought it could like eat metal, right? Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. I'm like, oh, you know, I have no idea what's going on. But um, <laughs> but most most of the stuff I put was fairly straightforward. By one the one guy who I really like taking classes from this dude, Tom, he was actually a banjo player first. And so he would, we would talk a little bit about that kind of style, like not, you know, again, he's not showing me how to do play guitar, claw hammer style or anything like that, but it was, it was kind of just a nice little adjacent education. So I'm like, oh, well, that thing's got five strings. How much different can it be? It's like oh, a lot different. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where it started. But you know what? There is a connect. If you read the Keith Richard book, right? Well, he got it from, uh, I guess, uh, Ry Cooter. But that, that mm. five string open tuning shit comes from banjo. Open tuning was like when I was in later other friends I would play together, like open tuning was just like a godsend for, you know, the people who play the stringed instruments. Cause like you could just go and like do harmonics call it a day. And, and what we were doing, we were happy with like just jamming out of the garage. But yeah, that open tuning where you just, yeah. Simple notes. For, for, yeah, for example, yeah. Ry Cooter claims he wrote honky talk woman intro, but d don't tell huh. me. <laughs> but anyway uh, just you know everything pollutes everything but also yeah. makes stronger it's trippy about yeah, yeah. human endeavors can i ask you the first record you bought with your own money uh this is really i'm really excited about this question i'll tell you that because <laughs> the first well here's why the first record i bought with my own money was the cassette of the score to the heavy metal movie soundtrack because i saw it and i was like whoa the heavy metal soundtrack four dollars and 99 cents i'm so excited and it was the elmer bernstein score yeah, but it was it's anime but, right you're, you're not yeah. talking about the genre name yeah no 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 talk about the movie from 81 so right, like, but right I, because I, I would i got into it and then i just learned today that on this recording he debuted an instrument called the ondes martinto which is like this weird organ and uh messe on the French composer, he used it a lot for like kind of these drone things. But I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, I, so I would just like listen to that on the back of my parents' car when we go on road trips. And like, you know, just first I was like trying to convince myself like, yeah, okay, I really do like this stuff. But, you know, it grew on me. And then eventually I did get the actual heavy metal music soundtrack with like well, You know, it was, a, it was a couple lyrics. I think it's in Ma Mars Bonfire put it in Born to be Wild. And it's in a Blue Oyster Cult song, Emmy 262. Like some heavy metal fruit and... Uh, yeah. Heavy Metal Thunder, I think, is in the Mon Mars Bonfire. But was it really a genre name? It's like you said, acid rock. Or we also said hard rock. Like the yeah. first couple of Black Sabbath records. There's no word heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, can I ask you the first gig you saw? <laughs> first gig I saw? Iron Maiden in 1985 on the Power Slave Tour. Okay. Did the Eddie guy come out? Oh, of course. <laughs> Had to. But, but one of the bigger memories is Twisted Sister opened for him. Oh, and wow. D the D audience... The audience hated Twisted Sister. And I do remember at one point, Dee Snyder addressed in the crowd saying, we are not fighting Iron Maiden, we are fighting with Iron Maiden. And actually, <laughs> I just found on YouTube, someone has a recording. It was at the Cow Palace up in uh, San Francisco. Sure, sure, and where Keith Moon some, conked out and some dude from yes. the crowd took over. Yeah, that, that, I, I, did, I read up on that guy because I thought that was amazing. Like, can anybody sit in for the drums? And, like, they pulled him out of the uh, That is an amazing story. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's like a – That's, that's a, a good reason for you guys to prac, right? You never know when your gig's coming. <laughs> yeah, what they said, they, they fortified him with a couple shots and just sat behind the kit. We're like, all right, man, we're going we're gonna to walk you through it. But – but yeah, but yeah, Iron Maiden '85. That was a that was an amazing. 
Okay. <laughs> Can I ask you about grade school and shit? Were you in the choir, the marching band? Nope, none of that. Okay. I didn't like group activities. Yeah, well, <laughs> no problem. I, main reason I ask that question is because some schools got rid of their music program. Yes, they do. They cut funding to the arts first. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's what Assholes. happens. Yeah. So uh, getting back now, not after school, like graduating, but after school in the afternoon, did you do, well, you must have, I don't know. I'm not going to assume. I'm not going to make an ass out of you and me, but you might've went on to electric guitar, seeing that you like the Iron Maiden gig. And Yeah. I went on to electric guitar and then uh, something you might know a little bit about. I went on to bass. Because oh, bitch. For, but, but, but for, before Maiden, we get for into Maiden, that, it's like seeing, seeing Steve Harris was like, okay. Oh. It was his band, right? Because he'd be yeah, out front yeah. singing all the words. Uh, not with a microphone, but he'd be mouthing them. Well, he'd, and he'd be pointing the bass at you. <laughs> you know, he was, he was, I just, a buddy just loaned me um, Flight 666, their tour video. It is, it's amazing. Like, and this is from the aughts, I think. But yeah, that was, so I went to electric guitar. Um, so, because that newer singer is a pilot. In fact, uh, at a studio. Yeah, Bruce Dickinson's a pilot. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, Not yeah. the original guy. But what, what, what I was well, going to ask you about after school. Now, I don't mean graduating, but afternoon, the basement band, the bedroom band, the garage band. Did you do that? No, I didn't. I, I just, yeah, it was a very, the guitar class and just jam was a very solitary pursuit. In high school, like, I was in uh, a punk band for a real short while um, where I was doing bass duties, as it were. Um, but yeah, it was, it wasn't that never, that band eventually went on. They did. Stuff what, why, did why did you go to the base? Um, because there are two, the main reason was the guy who played guitar was a very <laughs> competent guitarist and I was, you know, and I, and I, I knew enough musically that I could get through and that's all they needed at the time. Like, right, and nobody else wanted to rock the bass. Well, it was also like we needed someone to to do the walking the walking blues line for cramps covers. You know, ah. it's like I I could riff that along because sure. yeah, we were basically we were like a meta cover band. Like we were covering cramps songs, but at the time I didn't know the cramps songs were covers. I'm like you know 17. I didn't know what's going. <laughs> I'm like oh maybe this is their real name on the on the sleeve. He's not really named Lux Interior, is he? So <laughs> no, it's, it's like a yeah. Polish name. He's from Ohio. Man, he knew a lot about rock and roll. Oh, you know, yes. old timey rock and roll. He's actually yeah. was a little older than Egg. But they watched us in uh, Bass Country play. Uh, him and Ivy, the best people. So sad to lose yeah. him. But a lot of that cramps didn't have bass. They had two guitar drums. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the jokes <laughs> some like, did. Some did later on. They had a lady, yeah, that, a couple ladies who played bass. Look, I want to play your hands up, 1974.
Live from Peter Show, Vertonin. Started that chunk of music with Hands Up 1974, but not from 1974, people. <laughs> you know you can't copyright a title. That's true. You're right, right. Parallel Systems, System 01 from the Rambutan album. It's actually a double album. This has got McClay Duff, Art2, Pardonin, Joe Tunis, and Matt Weston, Joe Schlesinger, Michael Kiefer, and Eric Hardiman. A lot of cats. Uh, this guy, Eric Hardiman, put together this record with different crews uh, collaborating. And uh, he's going to be on the show Sunday. And this is the first one. Rambutin in this system one. I guess each uh, piece is a system. And then brand new from Tropical Fuckstorm, G-A-F-F. That's an acronym. I don't know what it means, people. Obama's Prendon with Carnivortex. Headboggle, he's on the show last week. C2U. Plus T.I. <laughs> <These titles. laughs> Sam Lock Ward with Beach from Iowa City. A lot of beach out there. And <laughs> finally Vertonin with Border of Lies. Okay, so how long does this uh, cramps shift last? Or oh, not, not cramps, but uh, a tribute to the cramps. Yeah, well, yeah, it was, it was just a kind of a covers. We, yeah, we were just a cover band. We played for a high school event and got in trouble because our vocalist during the Batman theme, screamed out, holy shit, Batman, and that, that scared the, the adults. Um, but so that was pretty short-lived, but one of the guys in the band introduced me to, so then then I just kind of ceased doing more uh, like straightforward, rockish type stuff. My sister had acquired synthesizers at that point for the keyboards. So I started playing around with the DX7 and the Juno 88, and then I just started doing recording stuff like in the house that, that was not quite you know, straight, straight rock music. It was just whatever I could find to use as an instrument. And that was probably when I was, you know, senior year of high school, stuff like that. I just messed well, I, I didn't ask you, what was your bass? Oh, <laughs> it was a K and it was $90. <gasps> My first bass was a K too. And it was a hundred dollars. I remember you, I remember you're talking to either Brent Gutzide or Aaron Dillaway or one of those gents. You're talking to someone about bass stuff, but um, yeah, it was, but it was not a very, solid instrument. And I was playing it through my sister's keyboard amp, which was really bass heavy. I forgot what that thing was called, but it was a big, the cube. It was a cube 60, I think. I oh, think okay. I remember those cubes. I remember there was yeah. a Sonic Youth tour with, they used these, <laughs> they put them on little tables, like the tables you get your drinks on. Yeah. It was funny, but that K, the action, you could fit your arm between the strings and the frets. <laughs> so it helped build up my strength, made me cry a lot too. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wonder, you know, because I, me and D Boone only saw arena rock, so we didn't know really what a mm. bass was. It looked like a guitar with four strings, and then I thought yeah. when I finally learned, no wonder you only have four. Look how big these cables are. Yes, yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. what about the left hand of those keyboards? Did you still get the bass going? No, I was just like holding down keys and playing with the pitch shift. It wasn't music. It wasn't like, you know, I wasn't doing proper piano style. It was just like holding, smushing down keys, trying different voices like, oh, hey, it makes like an orchestra and I can uh, do the pitch shift adjustment and stuff like that. So, yeah, I wasn't really playing piano or keyboards properly, shall we say. Oh, you mean the synths like the fake trumpet, fake strings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was big in the 70s and uh, 80s too, I should say. Uh, yeah. So... But it's man alone. But are you recording? Because, you know, a lot of electronic cats have in the show. Hey, what? One of my first electronic instruments was the tape recorder. Yeah, yeah. I remember talking to Mick Jandro about the turntables and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, that's yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah. So, what about you? Yeah, I recorded, I recorded stuff probably when I was 
a little bit old, like a little bit old, like 19, like maybe after when I came back from a first year at college or something like that. But yeah, it was all, all cassette recordings. Some of the stuff I, I released and it's, um, cause right now it's like, it's been 30 years since I did the first re- Vertonin release. This was like pre even coming up with a name for the project, but I, I have recordings that again, they're just, they're, they aren't interesting enough to warrant revisiting. It was just, you know, somebody playing around in their parents' house and taking samples off the TV and shortwave radio sounds. Nothing, nothing, nothing even as a, oh, this is a starting point for where things are going to go. Well, if like for you, I mean, you don't jump on the totally. skateboard and start pulling ollies, right? You got to fall down a few times. Uh, what, what, yes. what, what kind of recorder? A, a cassette? A four track? A... Little, little handheld recorder. Little handheld, uh, like. You mean those micro yeah. cassettes? Um, I did have those, and actually I still use those a lot. Um, <laughs> Micro cassettes, but yeah, just a little handheld uh, standard cassette playback player. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So these are only stereo things. So are you doing sound on sound? Yeah, it's um all I record something, play it back through the stereo, and then put put the microphone there, then record onto another one. That's (laughs) yeah. It was super about as low tech as one could get. So like uh, you did have kind of a an accomplice. Uh, Mr. Hum or Mrs. Hum, <laughs> she would get bigger with each bounce. <laughs> yeah, little little forty hertz ground hum. Yeah. Okay. What about performances? Uh, performances didn't. Well, I was aside from that thing I mentioned in in high school, the punk band. When I was in college, I was in a junk metal and electronics trio with uh, some friends, and we would perform at this event on campus called Friars, Pickers, and Grinners, which was mostly like acoustic guitar and poetry. And we would bring up like car springs, uh, washing machine dryer parts, things like this. And it was just, in those recordings, I was just listening to one under, the the band was called Derail. And I was listening to one and it's really great. It's one of those recordings where you get, we have the room listening, you know, it's quiet before. And then we just, suck all the air out of it. it's just obliteratingly <laughs> loud just three guys just hammering on these metals and and it was like we had the the one piece we were playing which was like whatever five minutes on but i was like man we nailed the ending and the audience was just like what what is going on why are you making our stage impure with this racket <laughs> it was a blast though. it was really fun to do so, yeah, you I'm nailed college. the ending you know that's what yeah. they said about working a room if you got a good beginning on a song and a good ending you can have a big fucking sorote in between. It's okay. Yeah, and and then I would do solo metal percussion because like Zev was a huge influence. Oh yeah, I saw him a bunch of times. Yeah, I got to know him. I released a pile of work by him, but I got to know him pretty well over the last fifteen or twenty years of his life. And uh, yeah, he, he he was a huge influence. I almost him. seen him kill himself with that stuff. It'd be uh, swinging. Yes, pieces yeah, of metal. I, yeah. He, he was a very visceral performer and uh, yeah, so he, he was a huge, just as an artist, like all the personas he would work with, all the different styles, like yeah. the sound poetry stuff he did, like yeah. that was a huge, huge influence. Uh, believe it or not, huge inspiration to me. Okay, yeah, I work this kind of rock and roll thing, but for me, music's music and that guy was, especially at those times where I was redi- throwing out the Berlin walls in my head, it was Hong Kong Cafe, late 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Come down mm-hmm. from, and the city in those days had a bigger scene than Hollywood, you know? And so we always looked for a lot of those bands. Like, And it wasn't just bands. It was like punk was anything you could get on stage. Yeah. It wasn't just yeah. fast guitars and a haircut. 
Well, also like what you've talked about. Well, I, and I know like you're a fan of like James Joyce. Big like time. you put you you pull these influences from all sorts of stuff, and like however you shape it, like that's where that's where it really gets the rubber to the road, you know. But Blake, th- these were the kind of cats I was meeting at the gigs. Yeah, they were weird. You could tell they didn't fit in with Square Jaw and thing. But man, they were deep into things, and they were trippy yeah. things. It wasn't like people putting on a stupid act, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know, I got contaminated. <laughs> you know, I got it's, into it's not- it. Not the worst contamination. I saw, um, I'd seen the Desolation Center video with you guys out on the boat. Oh, later. yeah, in Pedro, <laughs> right, right? Yeah, yeah, but like the early stuff in the desert with like SRL, like, we're going to blow up this mountain. Like, that's part of the performance. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. They were like, Mickey that's... Big Mouths full of fucking gasoline and shit all put around. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, June 25, 2021. This is a special guest, Blake Edwards. Hold tight for hour two. June 25, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
good sense of the real thing. Out she comes, no hesitation. We'll draw together a bunch of fragments, like that artificial intelligence in Mona Lisa Overdrive. Signification. Signification. I've become acutely aware. I've been watching myself for some time. I've become acutely aware. I've been watching myself. For some time, mm, drawing a long bar, you get a good idea.
brother bought a coconut, he bought it for a dime. Sister bought another one and traded for a lime. She put the lime in the coconut and drank 'em both up. She put the lime in the coconut and drank 'em both up. She put the lime in the coconut and drank 'em both up. She put the lime in the coconut. Called the doctor and woke him up and said, Doctor, is there nothing I can take? She said, Doctor, to relieve this bellyache. She said. Doctor, is there nothing I can take? She said. Doctor, to relieve this bellyache. Now let me get this straight. You put the lime in the coconut. You put 'em both together. Put the lime in the coconut, and then you feel better. Put the lime in the coconut. Drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut. Called the doctor and woke him up and said, Doctor, is there nothing I can take? You said. Doctor, to relieve this bellyache. You said. Doctor, is there nothing you can take? I said. Doctor, to relieve this bellyache, you put the lime in the coconut. You drink 'em both together. Put the lime in the coconut, and then you feel better. Put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut, drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut, drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut, drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut, drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut, drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. Put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut, drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut and drink 'em both up. You put the lime in the coconut and call me in the morning.
Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with impure agencies from Vertonin and Ben Salter from Tasmania with failure. Rice Corpse. Now, this is uh, Lucas Abel of Sydney, but when he went to China and collaborated with a couple of musicians there, and this band Rice Corpse or Proj, and this tune, No Penis. Then Rick, Rick Weaver after that with a cover or a reinterpretation. You know, people say all three chords. Fucking Harry Nilsson's uh, Lime in the Coconut. That's all C7, people. You don't even need three. One chord, okay? And finally, Vertonin with Lost in the Tumbler, which maybe you don't want to be. <laughs> or maybe you do. <laughs> Bouncy Castle. <laughs> now, now, off <laughs> air. I feel a broken glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Mafia stuff. No, I guess that's uh, Paletta with fucking ground glass, right? So it takes a month to kill you, bleed to death. Uh, off air, people. Me and Blake were talking about uh, Brother Zev, and he's got some uh, interesting things. You know, they never got to collab, but go ahead, Blake. Yeah, so um, when so Zev and I, we talk about I, – I'd bring up some ideas about collaborating with him. I really was interested, and I still am a huge fan of his Oontz material, which while most people – like I were talking about, most people aren't aware of the metal percussion, but he did a lot of sound poetry stuff with electronics under yeah. the moniker Oontz. And I had asked about doing some of that, and he's like, I just don't have what it takes to do that anymore uh, lyrically. But I was saying um, – Zev passed away in Chicago, and I actually had what I would consider the privilege of actually being able to cremate him, which was a an honor, I should say. And it was a good uh, – a lot of the folks who were on various social media groups who are fans, we thought I, – I thought it was super important for someone who was close to him to be involved with that, so it was just some anonymous person taking care of it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you want to ask Watt his opinion about the zeitgeist – you know, the spirit of the times of the movement. He was a big part of that, man. I mean, he was get to, to get us away from Marina Rock and this. And even get us back to Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis in a way. Because, <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? As far as the spirit. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying. With like the, the presence, like I think about like Neubotten, just these very visceral performers. And he, he was that, if, if nothing else, he was super visceral with the, especially you know, in the 70s with the very, the wild style, as he called it, of just what you were mentioning earlier off air, like this, just flailing around pieces of metal, car springs, plastic bottles filled with things. And you just have to, you're going to re- respond to it one way or another. And it's, it's a super, it's a super intense experience. And even his more meditative stuff, is just as encompassing. Yeah, I mean, that, that stuff would get into a groove, groove, believe it or not, in the room. And it'd be like, you know what I mean? Like James Jamerson on the, at the scrapyard or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was just su- such a mind blow the way he did that. And in a way, it was like the G.O. He was giving us the go, man. Let the freak flag fly. Whatever, yeah. you know, get on the tumbler. <laughs> or in the tumbler. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, or just build your own tumbler, you know? Right. Yeah, I want to play this air filtration and ventilation dis- desalinization facility. That's the title.
Life of Pedro show for toning with air filtration and ventilation desalinization facility. Then brand new from Coed Air Blood Quartet. This is Mark Cunningham from Mars. He's in Barcelona. Velvet Love from his new album. Manuel Armida out of he's living in he's from Mexico, but he's living in Yellowknife. Uh, Pass to the right. Bad news about you. And then finally, invocation for Vertonin. So, tell me about this name, Vertonin. When did this arrive as your name for your expression? It it started right when I released before I released the first thing, like in '91. Like I, it, I forget where I got from it. It had to be from a German dictionary because it's German for set to music. And I just like that idea of like whatever I'm assembling. Uh, you know, very John Cage, like, you don't have to call it music if you don't want to. Like, this is, I'm calling music, whether, you know, if it's a sound of rustling paper or a desalination desalination facility, yeah. like, that's, that's going to be music in my terms. No, I'm way into that, man. And that's the best uh, elixir against genre pollution. <laughs> the shit, <laughs> the, the Berlin Wall shit I was t- talking about before. So you, you, went, you went for it really early, but you said you were doing stuff... Well, what's was some stuff not Vertonin, and then some stuff was Vertonin? Yeah, yeah. So I'd start with a junk metal trio, which was called Derail. Derail right. And then I had some collaborations with some friends that went under. One was called Enemo, E-H-E-N-E-H-M-O. But the reason, and the reason we got that name was it, it's a, it's an expansion of the letters N-M-O, which stood for 90 minutes of, because we just record for 90 minutes in the garage and then see what we could salvage from it. Why? Because the cassettes <laughs> are 90 minutes? Yeah, 90 minutes. Tape, yeah. <laughs> so just flip, just play it, flip it, and like see if we can get 10 minutes of anything worthwhile out of it. Um, and then, no, nowadays uh, when I, I make albums with people, 40 minutes, because more than 20 minutes aside, you get the bass gets cut down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was that, and then there was a loop spool, which is another it's another offshoot of um, a band I was with some friends. It was more loop based, and my buddy had an electric clavichord he built that he was using to generate rhythms and drone stuffs from. And my other friend had a, I think he probably had a cord of some sort. But yeah. Now, when, when your loop thing. Do you do it different ways? Is sometimes with tape, sometimes with a sample, sometimes with a, a machine? It's um, it's funny because if we go back to actually Zev and his Uns thing, he had devised, he had a way he was making records skip intentionally that I was doing a totally different way. And his his way seemed much more complex but much more rewarding than uh, someone like Boyd Rice was also doing record skips. But that's I would right, just, that's uh, right, that's right. I just I just have a piece of Tupperware turned upside down on the old like caliphone and just let the needle hit it. Oh wow! You know? Well, some cats would re- actually have closed grooves mastered and use that. I, I, I've done that. Yeah, I've done a lock groove record. Those are super valuable because you're playing back your own stuff in multiple iterations. Um, but yeah, it was mostly that, and then I had a couple. I had a pedal, a PDS eight thousand, which did eight second loops that you could then pitch shift. And then I have um, another looping device on a, a rack mount system, a Lexicon Jamman. But like you have someone like I know you talked to Dilloway and yes. his looping. So I mean, he is like my God, the dude's a master with the eight track stuff. Like he just goes and like someone like Robert Turman. Like a lot of these guys are doing super. Well, we got to tell the listeners, eight tracks are basically loops. Yeah. Yeah, it's one thing, right? People, they're they're four different programs, but because of stereo, that's why they're called eight tracks. But they're one fucking piece of tape. 
Yeah, and and I was a I was a DJ at a few college radio stations, and we had cart machines, which were the same. They were like they looked a lot like eight tracks, but you yeah. got the cart. Yeah, to do public service announcements, and you could play with those. And I found one once, and it it was not grounded right. Right, and I I learned that a very difficult way that it was not grounded very well. <laughs> you got shocked. But yeah, those. Yo, yes, it was. It was. Yeah. Or what uh, elect- electric people say, bit. You got bit. <laughs> and people, yeah, here's, yeah. A, here's a lesson, especially with some high, well, a one hand, keep the other hand behind your back because if you get only 100 mils across your chest, you're dead. You got to keep yourself grounded. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So, but yeah, well, there was a four track before the eight track where the, the mechanism actually went inside the cartridge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're just exploring all the ways to keep it a one-man band. Although you, yeah, that, you, you talk about these collabs and stuff, it seems like this was your mission. Yeah, totally. I, I like to do stuff of my own volition and just have you know complete editorial or composition or whatever kind of control you want to have. Because I just want it to be this is this is my whatever I'm throwing out into the world, and nobody else has to you know get buy-in or you know pitch something in a different direction. Right. It's not compromised. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah, here it is, people. Now you decide. Totally. It's not totally. like, wow, yeah. I have to make this shortcut because they'll like me. <laughs> <laughs> right? That never yeah. works. I mean, even in the short term, you know, you win the sucker boy lotto, but fuck, come on. Yeah. You know, and I, I've seen plenty of cats like that where music's just, they won the lotto and it's service in a lifestyle, but they don't really like music. And yeah. then these cats, I, I know that love music, the marketplace gives no reward to them. No, no. <laughs> so fuck this. The whole fucking trip is... <laughs> anyway, we're into it because the bug bit us and we get, like, it'll get an electricity shock. Huh? We're at exactly. the end of the second hour. June 25, 2021 edition of Watt Fever Show. Special guest, Blake Edward. Hold tight for hour three. June 25, 2021. It's the third hour. Watt Fever Show.
Russell Pedro Show. Third hour, start off with Vertonin and Frozen Boy. Uh, buoy, okay, people? Nobody's getting hurt here. There's no boy froze. Port Sunshine after that out of Hamburger, Steam Submarine. Handsome Pucker, Bus Stop Sun. Schneller Tollermeyer from Switzerland. Sing for me. They were on the show last week. Uh, Pavda, Hal Rommel, and Linda Biner with Duet for a New Day. This is from a great compilation from, uh, you said his name, Brett uh, Goodside, right? Good time. Yeah, Brent, yeah. Brent, he just sent me a track. Times. Yeah, the good time, right? A great name. I love it. He's in Milwaukee, and he's got this label, and they put out this comp, Let's Build a Better Reality, and a lot of great fucking music on it. And he just sent me a tune this morning that I'm putting on bass right now. Uh, nice. And finally, Vertonian with Chatterboxer. This is a tune, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm wondering how you put this together. How, what's your composition? So composition is usually I'll have like the things are really conceptually based. Like I'll have this idea like um, Hands Up 1974. It's all about Patty Hearst and the SLA. Oh, right? yeah. So yeah. I'll be wanting to use Sin samples. Q. Yeah. Yeah. So samples from that and then just finding any any audio sound that can be either adjusted some way to carry through the uh, the concept that I want to have in mind. Then there's other stuff like like Chatterbox, where it's just like fast-forwarding cassettes, really herky-jerky, <laughs> and then layer th layering them in a multi-track. Now, do you, so I've had cats on the show. There are different ways of scoring. Some guys are totally graphic. Like they drop – it's almost storyboard like a film or a TV. Right. I Yeah, that, that would not be me. Okay, okay. <laughs> that would not be me. I, but I do – I would say I do a lot of editing. Like I'll, I'll be – after I, maybe this is common for a lot of other folks, but like after I have finished a, a recording, let's say, I pretty much don't listen to it ever again because I spent so much time in the editing process on the computer, like adjusting things or, you know, dropping to different tracks or removing things or filters, whatever it is. So it's like I've, I've done my duty. Like I created it and now, now it's out in the world for someone else to. Well, can I ask you this? Yeah. Okay. You don't listen to it again, but does it go into some kind of library where some of it can be used, repurposed? You know, it's funny you should mention that because I don't like to do the same thing twice. So at, for a while, I would, I would like if I had, let's say, a sample of a, a piece of equipment working and I was like, oh, I really like this. If I used it like more than a few times, I'd be like, wait a minute, I've done this before. Like I liked it then and it works. So I'm I feel like it's an awkward use to try and repurpose it in some other way just because it seems to, uh, in air quotes, fit there. So I. Every um, six months, I just pretty much clean out everything on the machine that's saved. And then once a recording, if I'm doing a recording, once the recording's done, I remove, delete all of the files that built it. But I have a master file in case like a CDR goes bad or something like that. But yeah, I try. I, I, I've really been fervent about getting rid of stuff and not using things again now now when yeah. you say that you're talking motifs and you're not talking about the actual machine or do you move on to another machine oh oh no no i no. thank you for clarifying that yeah no i use the same machines like i have a synthesizer i have a turntable i have a couple custom built electronic things that i use but then you as you're saying like then i'll just do different flavors of it like i'll still be using this one scratch record i have but i'll be processing it differently or something like that but yeah, I don't. I don't just like. All right, well, I just bought the synthesizer. Use it for record. No, I'm done with it. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, no, I no. But there's the other thing too. If you go to Reverb.com or something, there's this human thing about fetish over gear. Uh -huh. We're almost six. Yeah. Where if you, 
I don't know who said this, but somebody said once, you know, you got a pen knife. The art ain't in the pen knife. It's what's going to be carved with the fucking knife. Yeah. And, and that's like when I, there's, I think, uh, now I forgot who said it, but like, it's basically like, there's a guy out in LA, um, AMK, like he does cut up flexi desk, desk records. That's what he does. And he does it super well. Like the idea of like master one instrument or don't even master, just get to know it. Like he knows his stuff inside and out. And I have a, I have a Russian synthesizer because I'm like, okay, if I'm going to get a synth, I'll get something weird. So I got a Russian synthesizer. I haven't mastered that at all, but it's like it is my go-to if I want to start exploring. And I don't have an interest in actually getting modulars or any other stuff because I'm just not that tech intrigued, I guess. Right. Like how good of a pencil, how good a pad paper. You get the the most primo pencil, primo pieces of paper but you still gotta write the fucking story <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta you gotta do something yeah that's that's the big thing like this idea of like just getting gear to like fill a void that's right gear won't, you know? yeah. I, 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 but there's a fetish on it huh would you agree i think there is I with think bass is. players I mean, oh my god besides the fanny pack and the ponytail it's you know the thing that looks like a coffee table 30 strings yeah i want to play this from always and yet always
Life of Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Vertonin, always and yet always. I love that time. Then Joe Morris and Damon Smith, brand new. Uh, Double of any. And then finally Vertonin with version two of Perry and Eliza. I wonder what version one was like. Well, I can actually, I can tell you, it was a live version of that, a longer 20-minute version of that piece. Okay. Tell me about <laughs> titles with you, Blake. So, again, well, it's interesting because I think about, like, when we, we briefly touched, like, you know, you you enjoy James Joyce. Yeah. I am hugely influenced by a lot of literary folks. I really like the Ulipo movement, oh. a lot of the experimental French writers. So that is one thing that informs me. But, like, this Perry and Eliza, like, the, there's, the text that's spoken is the first example of interactive computer AI where – two computer programmers, one created someone that was going to serve as a therapist. Like that was one of the early things. Like you'd phone in and the computer on the other end would have a voice recognition database. So if you say, hi, my name is Mike and I feel happy, the voice would say, Mike, tell me why you feel happy. Ah. And so what they did is they had these two things. One is the doctor and one is this, this uh, patient, uh, Perry. There's Perry and Eliza. Eliza is the, is, the, is the female doctor. Perry is the patient. And they programmed him to be a sociopath or a psychopath. <laughs> and, so, and so they wanted to see, like, how they would interact. And it's, it's obviously tough because it's computers being stilted. But the conversation is so fascinating. Like, it makes me think of how, especially with experimental writing and stuff, like the idea of intentionally missed cues and where someone says something, you just you purposely ignore them. Like if someone said, hey, Mike, let's talk about your huge base collection. You're like, I'm not going to talk about that because that's not important to me. You just got to focus on something else, right? So it's it's that's where a lot of that comes from. And then, you know, the other ones like, uh, again, back to, well, the invocation that was taken, that's inspired by like all the Jonestown stuff in the 70s. Yeah, um, yeah. That's terrible. So I'm very, uh, by Kizar State. People's Temple. People's Temple. Yeah. Yeah. And so – I'm super interested, just as adjacent to that, like I was really fascinated by a lot of the um, alternative, either religious or political movements from the 70s, hence like the SLA, hence, you know, all these these groups that were these, uh, the RAF over in, in Germany, things like that. Those are just fascinating. Those kind of movements are intriguing to me. So they also inform that through the filter of like, you know, literary stuff, things like the Joyce and stuff. Well, can I ask you at what point does the title come in? Um. Sometimes it's it's the first thing that hits me. Because that's the way it, I always yeah, got to write there. songs. That's why it I ask is. people that. Because hardly anybody does it. So I'm glad to find a co-conspirator with <laughs> coming up with then, the title first. <laughs> and then, like for example, like I know I knew like for that one, the desalination. Like I knew the recordings I had of various facilities, and I just wanted to put them together. And I'm very much back to that mesh for the desalination. I'm very interested in like mixing these things. So it's like. I'm putting in air filtration system from a copper plant with a backhoe, like two things that don't go together. <laughs> but now I've created a new machine, as it were, audio, a new a new aural machine that doesn't exist. And so, again, that's really heavily influenced by a lot of the uh, Omipo literature and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Because, think about cut up, right? Tarantula, Bobby yeah. Dylan or uh, Mr. Burroughs yeah. with his uh, naked lunch. 
And, and what Zev was doing with the Oot stuff. Uh, like yes, the, absolutely. The yes, Zev was yeah. doing also with the Oot totally. Oots totally. are so fucking... Yeah. You know what? I got to start playing some more Oots on the show because that shit is great. I love it. I love it. Where can people find you on the internet, Blake? Um, they can do... Uh, my, my current label is... Uh, ballast. They type in Ballast NVP. That's going to get them to the blog spot, probably. Ballast NVP. Okay, spell it. Spell it. Oh, sorry. B-A-L-L-A-S-T-N-V-P. Okay. And then... Uh, What's your uh, current endeavor? You got a, pl- a project, a plan? A- have you been collaborating, trading files, or is it man I've, alone? I've always got, I've always got something going on at some point. I have to do it to balance out the nine to five job. You know, that's, yes. why, that's one of the reasons. So, I have a collaboration with my buddy Eric Lundy, who also does a lot of textual work. He's up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, we have a project called Dead Edits, which is again super heavy text based and uh, cut up and cassette work. Like the ideas of. Uh, machines that are falling apart and on the verge. I have something I've been, I, I worked on a while ago and now it's going to be a 30 year retrospective of uh, my stuff. I've got a couple of, of CD length re- releases that are in the pipeline in various stages. I've got a four cassette release. Yeah. I'm just always doing, I've always wow. got something going on. <laughs> always of course your retrospective in the fire. <laughs> yeah. The retrospective sounds really interesting, but so does this, this Minneapolis thing. When you get that oh, yeah. done, will you guys come on the show? And yeah, we can hear it and talk stuff. about it. Yeah, we actually we actually just released a dice game. Okay. <laughs> well, we can talk was, about that too. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. No, no, that, that's we're going for abstract art here, man. Yeah, <laughs> and beautiful. there's a cassette, but there's also a dice game. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> Such an honor to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much, Mike. Okay. I appreciate it. Right, man. People, it's been June 25, 2021. Dishwap Peter, so keep your powder dry.